the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Smooth like butter, sweet like honey. Looks so good like she made off money. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. It's a woman's world. So say it with me. See, say Broadway. The future is ours. Thank you. <sighs> The future may be ours, Chica, but you ain't part of my group. Okay, Dr. Jill Bigot. Oh, my goodness. Um, Hunter Biden has a, ha, had another word that he used for her in a text message the other day. It didn't start with the B, though. It started with the C. Um, speaking of C's, Liz Cheney. The January 6th committee had another hearing today. We're going to talk about it in a momento with my buddy, Brian Maloney from Red Wave America. But it's our dose of tonight's Andrea K. Show, and got to reintroduce this man here, the one and only DJ Potato Skins. Good to be here. Good to be here. And uh, I don't know if we play, if we play the sound today, Andrea, but uh, Hunter's uh, talking uh, how much crack that he uh, he has on the scale. Well, we're going to talk about that a little later. You're jumping ahead. Um, crack is whack, by the way, but we're going <laughs> to, in the words of the Whitney Houston, but rest in peace. Fried chicken now we got our man, fried chicken, who's going to weigh in from Red Wave America. Hello, my dear. Hey, hey. How you doing? Well, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I really haven't been giving any oxygen, much oxygen to this January 6th committee, but it's actually beginning to get more entertaining as they get more and more desperate. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to this, but I will tell you um, that I'm not the only one who hasn't been paying a whole lot of attention to this. Uh, if polling numbers are any indication, according to a political poll, in October of 2021, 67% of Republicans said Donald Trump should run for president in 2024. Today, 66% say the same. So if the goal of this Jan 6 committee is to stop Trump from running again, it's not working. How do you see all this? Yeah, no, it actually seems to be counterproductive because... If the left, if the Democrats ever just forgot about Trump, left him alone, he honestly he might just kind of fade into the background. And maybe we've talked about before, maybe be the leader of the America First movement and make his uh, endorsements, whatever. You know, that's probably what would happen. But every time the left has to reboot the whole Trump outrage routine, it just seems to send people running right back toward him all over again. So they never seem to learn. And if you know, some people are saying that, well, maybe, maybe they want Trump as their opponent. I, you know, I wouldn't want that if I were them because, you know, he could very well win. I don't understand, you know, it's either being too, too much inside the bubble, too out of touch with everyone else. But I'll, to me, the thing that I find the most fascinating on right now is that queen of the left, the queen of the left, uh, in terms of television, in terms of media, Rachel Maddow, is only doing her show one night a week. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> she, she just quietly just stepped back, uh, and it came on the heels. Came after it made a comment about it basically in two different groups on January sixth. Uh, she said on MSNBC. And of course, everybody was alarmed. You know, it was really, really interesting. So, you know, if you're her, if you're anyone on the left, you start to sense that, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't a crane you want to be on board anymore. Well, right. And, you know, when you've got, when, when your star witness so far until now is a woman who never actually saw anything, but is reporting the, a fantasy of of Donald Trump somehow reaching from far back on the beast to try to choke out a Secret Service agent, you've just completely, you've gone off the rails. Today, Liz Cheney is coming out and saying that Trump tried to contact a witness. Where's the evidence? Where's the proof? And by the way, this is not a court of law. These are not witnesses according to a trial that's taking place. He's got the right to call anybody that he wants at this point. This is still America. This is not a legit, this is not a legit trial in a court of law. He has a right to call people and have a conversation. What what I the only reason why I'm talking about Jan Six tonight is because I was and why I wanted to talk to you about it. I don't know if you've heard that his campaign manager um, Brad Pascal. Um, I think he might have been the guy who had the mental breakdown on the driveway. He's and was, the one member with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever in Florida. Remember that? Yeah. Th- this is this is this is now th- who they're trotting out. I guess evidently he and Katrina Pearson were texting on the day of Jan six, and he's well, he's yeah. he, and he's accused Trump of murder and and in the text messages, and it's like who? Uh, they must be referring to Ashley Babbitt. Um, again, yeah. it, your thoughts. Well, so Brad Pascal uh, is someone who I had been screaming uh, publicly for uh, three, four years now that Trump said it had nothing to do with this guy. Uh, and for a while was the, the head of Trump's election after in 2020. He was the number one guy for a while until he was fired. Uh, and because he was, and, you know, there was a lot of money that was missing. Remember, there were millions. Right. It's like $80 million campaign. I don't know whatever happened to that story, but there were stories that Pascal had absconded with a whole pile of Trump campaign money. Uh, and, and then there was the incident with him and I think it's his wife. He has a very young wife in their house in Florida. You know, Pascal had been living a lavish lifestyle in Florida his very, very young partner who, and she was living up with him, but he's, he's violent toward her. Yeah. Um, so there's history of the guys, the guy is a nut base. He never should have been within 50 you know, yards of Trump ever. Uh, and, and the weird thing, and there were rumors that he was back to working for Trump again as recently as last year. So I'm wondering if maybe Trump had no idea about these text messages, but it's now just coming to light. But, uh, you know, the left is making a big deal out of these exchanges between Parscale and Katrina Pierce. But uh, see, my take on it was, if you were on Twitter today and you saw what I said about it, to me, I figure Parscale knew that the, the feds were monitoring the text messages or would be subpoenaing them. So he was all, oh, I'm so outraged by what's going on. I think it was a big phony show that he was putting on you. If you know that your phone is tapped, are you going to tell the truth or are you going to start saying things knowing that ads are listening on the other line? I think that's what's going on here because all of a sudden, Parscale, who was Trump's number one man for a long time, 
uh, as sounding like a, you know, an MSNBC host. You are absolutely on to something. This whole exchange was everybody on Jan 6 were a bunch of panicked rats leaving a sinking ship, all worried yeah. about themselves, all worried about uh, and, and all in CYA mode. And quite frankly, the worst yeah. for me was Sean Hannity with his, hey, go tell him you'll, you'll pardon Hunter Biden, uh, you know, and, and, and see if that'll well, get. That was the worst moment of this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pardon, who the thing who put that bug in John's ear? This you should pardon Hunter Biden on your way out of office, Trump. You know, I mean, what in the world? And luckily, you know, uh, Trump can't thought that was insane. You know, because remember, all through the Trump presidency, John and Trump generally had a phone call every single night to talk about the day's events after. On show, next thing that they did was, you know, they got on the phone with one another and had long talks for, for it's been on for years, as far as we know. So well, that could explain. Right. Well, excuse me yeah. for interrupting, but now, now that we've saw the truth about Sean Hannity, which I've been suspecting for a long time that he was not a real conservative, that could explain a lot in terms of who was in his ear and advising him to do a lot of really stupid establishment crap, like not firing anybody and, um, uh, you know, putting a, uh, putting Bill Barr in and just uh, not firing Christopher Ray. Um, I mean, for Sean Hannity to try to suggest that that a, 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 this level of corruption be swept under the rug and forgiven uh, through a backroom deal over nonsense. Trump is not responsible for anything, any act of violence or anything that happened on January 6th. But for Sean Hannity to go there, for that to be his fallback, says everything you need to know about Sean Hannity and why. Well, it, I think, yeah, the, pr- the price of remaining on Fox, anyone, Sean Hannity or anybody, Keeping Paul Ryan happy uh, and keeping the younger Murdochs happy, and so that that's the bottom line. You know, do you stay on Fox and sell out, or do you stick to your guns and leave? That that's working. You know, I've known I personally and Sean Hannity for probably twenty years. I do think he was a real conservative most of those years. The last years, he has not acted like a conservative whatsoever. The last twelve. 16 months, I mean, he has absolutely not been, he has been a Paul Ryan clone on right. the air. Well, look. Uh, he's a Lindsey Graham, you know, let's have Lindsey Graham and my first Geraldo on again, you know, to, to for what? I don't, you know, show me where anybody wants Geraldo's opinion on anything. Nobody. Oh, show me Nobody. 10 people that, you know, that want to hear what Geraldo has to say. You can't find 10 people that no. hear what that man says on the planet. Well, and you know what? When you have the kind of power that Sean Hannity has, the kind of impact he's got, and you you supposedly are so wealthy that you literally own hundreds of pieces of property, then you should have enough character and integrity to say, "I'm done with media. I'm gonna t- I'm go- I'm gonna use my voice to take care of this country. If I can't do it using my show and my platform because these people don't want me to, then you know Murdoch and Paul Ryan, Reed, find the middle finger here and go and go uh, streaming." But, you know, so I have no, well, uh, it, but yeah. yeah, I have, so I have no, I have no further respect uh, for Sean Hannity because we are literally hanging on a cliff in this country. And I reported last night, I don't know if you saw the Gateway Pundit report with the FBI documents. They had a confidential human source inside who reported accurately back to the FBI and the Department of Justice that neither the Proud Boys nor the Oath Keepers were uh, a part of any organized plan to do anything yeah. other than to, to provide protection 
for any MAGA voter that should they get attacked. They had no weapons. They had they were not there to do anything that had to do with the electoral votes. They were there to be peaceful. And yet they have been falsely yeah, charged and thrown into a gulag. And yet, you know, nobody is standing up for these people. That's what should be mattering no, to everybody. Is. Nobody. They were actually there to de-escalate the violence. If you yes. saw, you know, what, what I saw, they were actually there to keep conflict from occurring we didn't know until now uh but that you know that's their reward for doing a deed i said thrown into the gulag because we throw out there you know the what you know you throw out there the name of these groups and the media just grabs it uh oh the two what the terrorists were up to you know the, yeah. the insurrectionists were up to yeah this this human resource and i'll let you go he reported that they they it was 30 minutes after the barricades were moved that they came in and they came in specifically to de-escalate and then they were done with doing that they got thumbs up from law enforcement they started bagging trash they started bagging trash. Yeah. And then after they left, they adhered to the curfew that was put in place that day. And yet they're being persecuted, right. being scapegoated so that the FBI and the DOJ can say that 75 million MAGA voters are domestic terrorists. That's 100 percent of what it's about. And, you know, so we're yeah. in a really dangerous time in this country right now. And we need to all be using our voices and pushing back where we can. Brian, thank you for using yours here. I know it's you late bet. back where you are. And we appreciate you, Spicy Fried Chicken. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, honey. All right, now things got a little spicy today. Speaking of spicy, they got a little spicy in a Senate Judiciary hearing meeting today um, involving Senator Josh Hawley and a Berkeley Law professor, alleged professor, Kiara Bridges. And we're going to share that with you when we come back. This is the Andrew K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K., the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Don't mind me. I'm just on Instagram looking at one pan, uh, easy one pan cobblers. <laughs> this is looking good. You take um, a can of fruit uh, filling, pie filling, and then you just put some Pillsbury cinnamon rolls that you buy. I don't know if you've ever bought those. Love those. And you just layer those over the top and you bake. Doesn't that sound yummy? Sounds yummy. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so we had a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on abortion and the legal consequence of the Supreme Court's decision today. Um, can you help me to understand, first of all, Skins, why we even had a hearing about this? Why? No, there's there's nothing to really talk about or to have a hearing on. No. All this was was an opportunity for people to go to the microphones and try to get attention for themselves. Right. Particularly the left. These theatrical productions are a waste of taxpayers money. And it's just about trying to control messaging and control the minds of Americans. And I resent it. And I particularly resent it. If you're going to participate in it, at least do a good job. Uh, There's a lot of talk today about this dust up that uh, Josh Hawley had. And to me, I I think he completely missed an opportunity. It was a swing and a miss today. It kind of reminds me of Elizabeth Hasselbeck back years ago on The View. You know, it was like, oh, they've got a conservative on there. Well, you know, bless her heart. She's such a sweet girl. I loved her on on Survivor. But, you know, I mean, she was just, you know, it was like somebody bringing a spork to a knife fight. I mean, she just was not up to the challenge. And that's kind of how it was to me today. It was, uh, you know, it was just an opportunity for the left for them to continue to push out their insanity um, like this. Uh, Let's start with uh, clip seven. Abortion is normal. It is an act of love, and it is fundamentally health care. Okay, so 
The Supreme Court has already ruled that this gets to go back to the states. So when you have this kind of insanity being being, uh, you know, at, at the microphone on, on a, student, a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, um, you know that there's there's it's about nothing but pushing out propaganda. Propaganda. It's all it is. This the hearing again was supposed to be on the legal consequence of the Supreme Court's decision. And yet we've got somebody there trying to tell the American people that abortion is an act of love. Even if you think that abortion should be legal, even if you believe it's a woman's uh, uh, body, even though scientifically we know it's not. But can you really think that you can gaslight? Do you really think you can gaslight the American people and convince them that abortion is an act of love? Did anybody ask her? I'm not aware. I didn't see any sound bites of anybody saying, say what? Idiot, say what? Did you uh, did you just say abortion is an act of love? I guess I guess the the child, the preborn child uh, that you killed, it, it obviously isn't here for comment about how they feel, how loved they feel. That's that's just complete insanity. It's sick, and it's the opposite of what they say. It's hate, right? Um, and it's fundamentally healthcare. It's not healthcare. This is not healthcare. It's an elective procedure. Out of born out of convenience, I would have more respect for these people if they came out like some are starting to do to say, look, I know it's a separate human being. I know it's a child and I feel like I should have the right to kill it because that's exactly what it is. Well, at least they're being honest. At least I would have respect for honesty instead trying to trying to, you know, pee on my leg and tell me it's raining and telling me abortion is love when it's not. But then it got even worse into the theatrical realm. How could it be even worse than somebody saying abortion is love? <laughs> Let's listen to this exchange between uh, Senator Josh Hawley and the alleged professor. And I say alleged because Berkeley cost how much a semester? Is Berkeley not one of like, is it like Buku a semester? I All I know is it's probably one of the most expensive schools. Yeah. And I want you to hear the level of intelligence in addition to the arrogance and the buffoonery presented by Professor Berk- oh, Berkeley Law Professor, this woman has a comma JD. <laughs> it, well, gets even, this, it gets even worse. This person supposedly is a lawyer. Let's listen to this exchange between Kiara Bridges and Josh Hawley. Clip eight. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, There are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a... We can recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive. Let's stop right there. Oh, so... First of all, um, I don't care how quickly you speak. I don't care. I don't care how, how quickly you roll the words cis, cis and non-binary off your tongue. It doesn't make them legitimate. It doesn't make them valid. It doesn't make them rooted in anything related to science, common sense, rational th- reasoning or thought. How did they, how did these people get picked to come to these hearings? Who picked these people? If I had been a Republican on there, I would have said, oh, who, who are they? What are their qualifications? And nobody who thinks that men can have, a, can have a child is qualified and probably needs to have their mental capacities checked, let alone their intellect. That's the kind of, that's the kind of 
of approach we need to be taking to this instead of speaking to these people as though they're worthy of respect. Let's continue. This right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think. Men can get <laughs> so pregnant. you are denying that trans people exist. Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, no. They're, they're told that to they're a- opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn. A lot. I can't listen to this anymore. He absolutely let her completely take over control of the questioning and turn it around and put him on the defensive. There's no way I would have let her do that. Let's go back to where she says, um, so I want to note, uh, I want to recognize that your line of questioning is transphobic. I would have said, stop right there. Stop right there. It opens up people to violence by not recognizing that. I can recognize that a cow exists. It doesn't make the cow a dog. And that's what Josh Hawley should have said. She goes on to, to push her narrative. Uh, you know, um, uh, one in five p- transgender people have attempted suicide. Well, what does that have to do with, with Roe v. Wade? Absolutely nothing. Has absolutely nothing to do with it. And oh, by the way, the suicide rates, uh, they actually escalate po- tra- po- post-transgender surgeries. Instead, he allows himself to be put on the defensive. Um, Uh, Because denying that trans people exist and pretending to not know that they exist, I'm denying trans people exist. Are you? Are you? Are you? And she talks over him. I would have said to her, you you know, you were invited here uh, and and you need to you need to act respectfully here in this committee meeting. The hate, vitriol and disrespect by these people. It has gone from in the LBGTQ XYZ community. It started out as tolerance. Then it went to the push for validation that you had to agree with them and their choices. And now it's forced participation or you're responsible for somebody committing suicide. And that needed to be called out by Josh Hawley. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Whoever called this, and I don't know, you know, obviously we don't control the Senate. So he's not, you know, he's not the chair of this. But if you're going to ask questioning, if and if you think you're going to if you're going to bother to try to take on this kind of insane, mentally ill activist, you got to bring you know you you can't do, you can't be Elizabeth Hasselbecking the situation. You got to bring more to it than this, and you can do it in a way that's respectful because, quite frankly, respect does not involve me having to abdicate my belief system, and I'm not going to. But see, this is this is why we're here because Republicans are always too nice. They, I'm advocating for violence. Like he's shrinking back. I would have said, "Don't you dare accuse me of advocating for violence." Let me educate you, alleged professor, 
There is male. There is female. There is no such thing as cisgender. That is a word that's just been recently created by people wanting to push a political opinion. I don't care if Sally wants to live her life as Steve going forward. It doesn't change science. Men cannot have babies. None of which has anything at all to do with the issue at hand, by the way, which is the overturning of Roe v. Wade and what it means legally in this country. This is an example of, and Josh Hawley's right on positions, but we don't fight hard in the cultural uh, arena like we should. And we don't do it well. And that's why we're losing. That's why we got five-year-olds being put on puberty blockers in this country. That's why we've got toddlers and kids being taken to drag queen clubs and shoving dollar bills on them. We're, 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 we're losing in, in this cultural war in this country, which is, which is tied to economics. I get emailed every day by somebody from the Republican Party at the national level wanting to book guests on the show, and it is 100% t- about taxes and the economy. There's not one guest that they put forward to talk about any of these, pop co- these cultural issues, and it's the cultural issues that have us in the fast lane to complete destruction as a nation. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to go there. And then when they do, they don't do it well. That's my thoughts on that. Oh, before I take a break, I did get a, 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 an email from someone in response to the question about Kamala, by the way. Um, <clears throat> uh, and who Kamala would put forth. Uh, David says, in my humble opinion, Kamila is not constitutionally eligible to hold the office of president or vice president. She is not a natural born citizen born to two foreign nationals here on student visas. From my research, her mother never gained citizenship, moving to Canada where Kamila grew up until she turned 18 and then exercised her anchor baby and birthright citizenship at best. Where's the gutless GOP? I haven't researched that. I do know. I haven't that either. She, but is so I thought she did. She was qualifications of hold for v, for v, for VP. Well, yes, because you can't be VP if if you're not qualified to be P. Exactly. So I thought she did live here um, as too. a child. So I will have to research that. But thank you, David, for bringing that to my attention. We're gonna take a break. We come back. We've got more of the Andrea K show on the other side of the break. We've got more breaking COVID news. And I got a question for y'all. Is nudism a sin? That's a question for you Christians out there. There's a Christian nudist camp who says it's not a sin at all. And we're going to share that with you when we come back from the break. More craziness on tonight's Andrea K show. Don't go away. AK, dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K, whatever you call her. Don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. I've actually been holding on to this article for a while. And I wasn't sure. It's It fascinates me. So I had to ask you guys about this. And, it, and, it's, and I've actually got a serious question for you guys. Here's the story. Um, this is a story out of Texas. And it's a story... Um, from from the religion news service and it's about a an area a resort called nature's resort and it uh, on the the pick of the front of the article is bill and misty cats and they pose in front of their home at nature's resort this this was an article from um written back in march 
and it just looks like a normal, you know, community, right? Until you realize that they're naked. <laughs> they don't have any clothes on, right? Well, and there's, you know, nothing typically, you know, I mean, there's nudist colonies going around the country and it's the kind of thing to where I guess adults, it's not, I, I, it's a little confusing to me. And, and the fact that, you know, there's some municipalities and cities to where you're, you can't just go around naked, right? You've got, you know, it's, um, there's obscenity laws or decency laws. I mean, you're, you know, you're supposed to clothe yourself, but I guess in some communities, uh, nudism is okay, right? Well, here's what makes this one interesting. Uh, by the way, the community is outside the small town of Elsa, and they've got a high sheet metal fence around to keep keep people from peeping and keep keeping keeping the prying eyes out. It's um, close to the prime Rio Grande Valley, and um, I don't know how many homes are there. It's got a bunch of RVs, small homes. Uh, they play pickleball. There's all kinds of little recreation things to go on there. What's interesting about this community is that they are Christians and they say that um, that public nudity may seem antithetical to the modesty often promoted by churches. But according to Katz, the two go hand in hand. Um, I don't know how they go hand in hand. I think it's one thing to argue that nudism isn't a sin necessarily, but I don't, you know, I'm in I'm in the word every day and I have yet to see the scripture that says, you know, um, you know, in the Ten Commandments, be naked, or the plan of salvation involves being naked. I'm not really sure. I mean, on a serious tip, can you explain to me, Skins, why you think that they're saying that the two go hand in hand? No, I can't. I, I no. <laughs> personally think it's wrong, but that's just a personal belief. Well, she, they say, believe it or not, we are modest. Quote, modesty does not mean you have to cover everything up. We don't display our wares. We're not adorning various parts of our bodies in a way that's going to attract attention. Well, how are you nudist if you don't display your wares? Isn't that the definition of nudism? Displaying your wares? Last time I checked, nudism means, yeah, no clothes. Right. Um, she says her idea of modesty echoes Pope Jean Paul's uh, II's in his 81 book, Love and Responsibility, in which he writes, nakedness itself is not immodest. He goes on to explain in the book that immodesty presents itself only when nakedness serves to sexually arouse. Well, uh, sexual arousal is 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 often a spontaneous reaction okay um just because you're not intending to arouse another person with your nakedness doesn't mean it's not going to happen right i've been known to look good i'll just put it that way (laughs) um they say at nature's resort though that public nudity is not sexual how how is it not their sexual organs. How How is it displaying, on a serious tip, how is it displaying organs and body parts that are used to arouse? How is that not sexual arousal? They said the initial conception is that it's a sexual thing. People think we're all out in the front lawn having sex with each other. Oh, no, I'm not. I've seen your pictures. <laughs> no, not thinking that's what's going on. Not necessarily sure there's a lot of buyers for the wares you say you're not displaying, but that's for, you know, somebody else to figure out. She says, well, it's also people think we're swapping partners. If there is, in fact, that's not true. She says, if there is any overt sexuality, you see that gate open real fast and somebody is ushered out. Um, uh, some critics, uh, some Christian critics of nudism, including Mary, Mary Loman of the Christian Working Woman, they see the lifestyle as an affront to God. Uh, they say the Christian, the, uh, uh, they have a website called the Christian Dress Code and the God's Dress Code from the beginning has been to cover our nakedness. However, other people point to the Garden of Eden 
and Adam and Eve and that they were initially naked. Well, but yeah, then they bit the apple. And so we're supposed to be covering. Um, I don't, I, you know, I was curious to see what anybody thought out there. 888-344-1170. Do you have any thoughts about this? Do you think nudism is a sin? Do you think that as long as it's not involved in overt sexuality, that it's not sinful? I don't know how you protect the covenant of marriage when you're when you're walking around naked and sharing what's supposed to be just shared between you and your spouse, and you're sharing that with the world. Sure, and again, as you said, you know, it's, sometimes you could be passing by a couple or whatever, and somebody sees you, and you know. Guys, for instance, are visually stimulated and, you know, it just it just uh, it's a slippery slope. I, I just think it's inappropriate. I do think it's sinful. I do think that there I do think that there's what possible reason could you be going around naked if but to exhibit yourself, if but to get attention? I agree. There's it just doesn't make sense to me. I know that there's this this other pastor down there who says, I think it's odd. I think it's strange, but I have no proof it's sinning. We have a retired couple that sit on the front row every Sunday that live at a nudist camp. I believe they're dedicated Christians. He says, because the Bible doesn't explicitly forbid nudism. He says he can't condemn those who practice it. Um, and he uses Adam and Eve as a reference. Um, he says, when David had his big victory in battle, he went dancing in the streets naked to praise God. So that must be okay in God's eyes. Um, I, I think it's different when you're talking here, um, you know, at, in modern day, we, I think particularly when you've got married couples, I think it's inappropriate. I think you need to be doing everything you can to protect the sanctity of that relationship and to not be not be uh, not be be providing any means for temptation whatsoever. I also think as a single person for you, you have to know that um, that you, you are when you're displaying the body parts that are used as, as part of an in, the intimate act. Sin. Yeah. And you're you're inviting temptation and so I guess I guess it, it, as I as I look at it and I weigh both sides, um, I do think that I, I, I'm not necessarily going to say it's a sin. But what I would say is you're inviting sin. You're 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 inviting temptation into your life by do, by doing that. And um, whether or not that's the intention, um, I, I and, and I think that um, I don't want to sound judgmental if there's anybody's listening. I do. I think you can be a Christian and do that. We're all sinners. Of course, I think you in can, your own home. I, of course, I think you can be a Christian and 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 still do something and, and do this because I, it, whether or not it's a sin, because we all sin and we all fall short of the glory. No of one's God. perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, and isn't it always the case, though, that the people that should keep their their clothes on are the ones most dedicated to taking it off, whether it's a nude beach or anywhere? I mean, have you ever been to a nude beach? No, I didn't go there intentionally. I was on a cruise one time to um, you randomly stumbled upon it. No, well, well, it was it. I didn't randomly stumble upon it. We actually did. It was a it was a Caribbean cruise to St. Martin, and I didn't realize it was clothing optional. We did a we did an excursion off the cruise ship to where they bring you over to this beach area on a bus, and they provide lunch for that day. And you know, I was I was asleep on a lounge chair when somebody starts elbowing me. That here comes some naked man walking. <laughs> walking down the beach and let me tell you i really didn't need to be woken up to see a 75 year old naked man walking down the beach (laughs) don't wake me up on a clothing optional beach unless it's jean valdam from the 80s coming down the beach naked all right those are your instructions
We're going to take a break. We come back. Nobody's called in willing to admit that they think nudism is okay. <laughs> this is the Henry K show. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. We come back. Comic-Con is almost here. Are you going? They've put out a few of their rules having to do with COVID, and we're going to share that with you guys when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. And I eat my donuts fully clothed, just to set the record straight on that. <laughs> Before the break, we were talking about nudism. Sin or okay and in uh, God's book in the Bible. Alan from Chula Vista has something he wants to say on the topic. Hello, Alan. Clothing optional. Hi, hey, hon. Yay or nay on the, on the nudism? Well, you just can't go off the air without answering these questions. The pastor that had the nudist couple in, in his church, were they clothed while they were sitting in the front row? Or if not, was he distracted? Well... <laughs> I have a feeling they were wearing clothes when they were um, parishioners on the pew, okay? Um, otherwise, we probably would have heard reports of people running out screaming. Yeah. This question about nudity would be interesting to talk to a psychologist about, but I just think it would ruin our whole social structure to have this kind of thing going on. Yeah. Out in the open, uh, because you, you expect to see ladies with beautiful outfits on it they like to show off. You know, and guys uh, dressed up in sport clothes. That, that's the way it is today. So, Well, I just, I, you know, I, I think that's the way it should be. I think that um, from a biblical standpoint, after they took a bite of the apple, then that's when modesty came about. And and, and, and from then on, we, we need to be a society that uh, is a modest society. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm somebody that believes in that look from who was that family where they, the girls had to wear you know, long denim skirts to their ankles and couldn't cut their hair and, you know, or these long dresses, you know, I don't, I don't believe in that kind of extreme, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, society breaks down when you don't, when, when you don't have any, any level of, of respect for each other by way of modesty and people. And, and one of the things that it's hard for me to articulate, but everybody has the right to develop their own level of modesty. Some people, for example, some friends of mine, girlfriends of mine are okay going to a gym and working out and taking a shower naked in front of, you know, other ladies in there and other friends of mine are not. So when it comes to nudity, um, even among your own gender and your own friends in a locker room, you can have, you know, um, different feelings. And, 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 and it's so, um, I think there's that aspect to consider as well. So, hey, if they if they're happy in their own little community, that's fine. But I think as society, I think it's a problem for marriages. I do think it it's would break down society. I agree with you, Alan. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Andrea. All right, have a good night, hun. Um, all right, so I take it that uh, you know nobody's calling in to say yay. I think it's a great idea. I think it, the silence speaks for itself. Yeah, and I will tell you that on that, you know, uh, on that tip, you know, uh, we're already uh, in a, in kind of it, it's gross to me in a sense too because, you know, um, there's aspects of the body that you know I don't I don't need to see going on okay out there okay just just to to put it that way I don't like this trend going on to where I never go to the beach anymore where I don't see every girl there in a thong. Right. I don't even want to see that. Cover up a little bit more, you know, like leave a little bit to the imagination. 
and it gets to the point to where it's gross. We are actually kind of already at a point where we don't have enough modesty in society. Who is this Democrat woman who was twerking in a thong and with her legs spread on camera recently? I mean, we're already we're we're already so far away, and that's a, a key part of the breakdown of the Judeo Christian principles and values on which this country was founded. We don't have to be puritanical, where you know only a woman's hands and 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 face are showing. But good grief, you know, have some self respect. Some self-respect ladies twerking in a thong, running around in a thong out in public. It's just nasty. It's just nasty. All right. Speaking of cover-ups, though, it's almost time for some crazy costuming at Comic-Con, right? It's that time of year. I don't think – was it still virtual last year or was it – first year in in – COVID 2020, it was shut down altogether. Yeah, last year, I believe it, it was virtual. It was still virtual so last year. Did like a halfway special November thing last year. Right. Well, Comic Con is coming back. Nobody's been talking about it. It's actually in a couple of weeks. Usually by now, there's been all kinds of press and promotion for it, even nationally, because this was the biggest comic convention in the world, super uh, attended by big stars, all the big comic book movies, etc. A lot of big names. Uh, Comic-Con is back in San Diego, July 21 through 24. Three days seems short. Didn't it used to be also much longer? There was a preview day and then three regular days. So maybe they cut it by a day this year. Yeah. Um, so here's the news, though. In addition to showing proof of vaccination status, you're also going to have to wear a mask. Begging the question yet again. Um, if I think these, it's going to really affect their attendance. Well, of course. Well, first of all, it doesn't even make any sense. Because if these shots work, then why would you need a mask? Right? And again, if you're worried, how about this simple solution? Don't go. Yeah, we don't have the uh, guest list of, or panel topics at this point. Um, but they they have the Comic-Con International Organization that's lay, laying out the protocols this year for COVID-19. Um, and, um, they're going to require, uh, face coverings, which is actually kind of a contrary to the whole point of people going there with their faces painted, with their masks for their superhero. Um, I, I've, I've, I've actually gone to Comic-Con once and I was there to help a friend who was there in the Scooby-Doo character at, for Warner Brothers. I was the Scooby-Doo handler. Super fun. Um, to do that, uh, but uh, everybody that I saw that was all in costume, how, you couldn't do it with the mask. You're not going to be able to show your character with the face covered. Yeah, it's going to look lame. It's going to look lame, and it's stupid, and for no reason. There's a lot of people, Andrea, yeah, I know they're not N95s. They're already wearing masks. Who's already wearing masks? People dressed up in costume. I, I just, uh, you know, look, if you want to go... Do that. It's disappointing. It is disappointing. Um, For one reason why, it's like this was a major revenue generation event for San Diego. And this is going to, you know, not going to bring it back to its full financial economic glory. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow night, Wednesday hump day, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Keep your clothes on. Love you all. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.